Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to mention a few things. Number one, most excitingly, we are now on Spotify. So if you're listening to this via other means and find Spotify easier, then go to Spotify, look up Not A Foodie, and we are there. You can subscribe to us there. Also, you can always uh, listen to us on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and a whole bunch of other ways to listen to podcasts. Number two, I wanted to mention, like I always do, that we are on Instagram. I am at Alley. That's T-M-I-A-L-E. And then Mike is at Mike Moranti, M-I-K-E-M-I-R-A-N-T-I. And you can also follow us at NotAFoodiePicks, P-I-C-S. That is it. So without further ado, I will get to this week's episode, which is one of our favorites. It's all about um, just something that everybody loves, pasta. Um, Side note, Mike actually went out and bought a pasta maker after recording this episode because he was just so hungry. That's it. Enjoy the podcast. Bye. a foodie studio which is not a studio today we're actually back at my dining room table in queens it's not a foodie podcast uh joining me always it's mike moranti say hi mike hey what's going on and i'm tom Mialli, and this is the not a foodie podcast so mike um we 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 know what we want to talk about today pasta what I find really fascinating is that we have tried to record a pasta episode at least, what, three this is, times? This is the third time. This is the third time. So th- it's something that we both are a little bit crazy about, um, and it's something that we both love. So I think that's why it's taken us so long to actually finally do a pasta episode that we're, we're happy with. And Hopefully. Ho- hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I know, right? <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't end up on the cutting room floor like the other two. But those ones were so long ago that I don't remember like what we talked about. Yeah. So it's good. This is good. This is good. So why are we doing a pasta episode today of all days? Oh, that that's like um my holiday. What you asking about. <laughs> why is today different? Yeah. Why is this holiday different than other holidays? <laughs> Should I hide something and people have to find it? Yeah. <laughs> But you can't have pasta on Passover. You can't. Okay. Well, uh, you, you, maybe there's no use. I don't know. I'm not not that religious. Um, so anyway, Mike, so, why are we talking about pasta today? Why is this day different than other days? Because last night you and I had a pasta experience. Yeah. Yep. Like a a life changing <laughs> pasta experience. I would put it in the top three or four pasta like meals that i've had in my life absolutely what about for new york what about for new york like like is that three or four like only new york restaurants no is that, no, no. It, that must be restaurants in italy that includes italy yeah. as well yeah. so just new york restaurants uh, just new york restaurants it's in my i would say two and i will tell you i i can't tell you the difference between the two like i can't tell you you know which one's better which one's not they were just at different points in my life um and the first one 
Well, we'll talk about where okay. we went. Talk about where yeah. we went. So we went to Missy, mm-hmm. which is Chef Missy Robbins, uh, James Beard winning, t- multiple Michelin star earning, multiple New York Times star earning, owner of Lilia, uh, critically acclaimed, incredible chef, Missy Robbins' is a second restaurant. Yeah. In um, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I- I actually have a little bit of history with her. Uh, in 2014, I graduated college and I interned at Cork Buzz. So young, dude. I do. I, <laughs> I am. And um, she was the consulting chef for Cork Buzz Chelsea Market. I had no idea. She was on um, Top Chef. She was like, she was, she got Avoche, two Michelin stars. She was super, super like famous. I was just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you on mic. Like, right. But she was super, super nice to me. I tried a bunch of her food. She always answered any questions I had. Um, and then she opened Lilia, and then she became like this rock star. She does vi- Vice videos. She's like everywhere. Yeah, and Lilia, for a long time, I mean, what, Lilia's been open maybe three a year years? and a half? Two? No, 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 yeah, three years? Yeah, when I started at Becco is when Lilia opened. Wow. Okay, yeah. but they got a Michelin star last year. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if they did before that, but it's one of those places where it's one of the harder reservations to come about in, in New York Jennifer City. They make Jennifer Lawrence wait. <laughs> they make you wait. No matter who you are, you you wait. Um, and it and it was awesome. And that, uh, you know, that that's Lilia. It's it's an insane meal. It's really great. Um, Misi is her sort of pasta restaurant, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's it's thirty three percent vegetables, thirty three percent pasta, thirty three percent gelato. Yes. Yes, that's and that's well, there, a, that's the that golden ratio. <laughs> Did you know that's the golden ratio? A third, a third, <laughs> so a third. Every restaurant should be <laughs> <Yes>. actually. <laughs> but so we because you know either either you're dining at the world's uh, hardest reservation to get restaurant or you are in your 80s. That's when you eat at 5:30 p.m. and that's what we did last night. Shout out to my friend Delaney who just gifted me a reservation. So yes, I don't know you, Delaney, but thank you. Uh, so. I, uh, I, you know, I got in my Uber, um, heading out down to Williamsburg, and Mike's texting me. He's like, the line is like, it's like an iPhone release. The line is around the block at like 5.15, because I guess they're, they take walk-ins um, for the early reservations in case anyone doesn't show up. And I guess uh, 5.30 on a Monday is the only time you can walk into this place. Yeah. I mean, but, but even then, you, you, there was a line down the block when I showed up at 5.30 um, for our reservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It was it was delicious. So we're not gonna you know we're not gonna talk forever about you know the restaurant. This is not about just that restaurant. This is a pasta focused podcast. But that being said, there were a couple like standouts last night that I I mean I think are are, are phenomenal. So Mike, tell me about your favorite bite last night. Your favorite yeah. pasta. So I texted Tom, we tried six things outside of the gelato and I ranked them and he agreed with my list. So the best thing was the Corzetti pasta. Corzetti, yes. Um, Tom introduced me to Corzetti. He told me about them. Maybe it was on one of the scrapped pasta episodes. It definitely was one of the scrapped podcast episodes, yeah. Um, And it's a coin pasta. So it's like a thin but not too thin, like it has a bite. Yeah, it's um so it's there's these round um it, it's like a round die cut. And back in, you know, the old days, um every family had uh it's a very northern Italian thing. So these royal northern Italian families had um stamps with their family crest on them. And it's just a, a I, the one that I have is brass and wood and it just it stamps out little coin-shaped pasta. 
um, with ridges or with a design or with a family crest on it. Um, so last night, I, first of all, I was shocked. I've never seen it on a menu anywhere. It's one of those weird pastas I, that you'd never see anywhere. I texted you. I told you they had it on the menu that we had to get it. Yeah, and I, and I, I did not fight at all. I said, yep. Um, so when I make it, it's I make it with a sort of a light sauce, just almost like a broth, but a little bit more silkiness to it. Like you want it to be like a really heavy broth. You don't want it to be like a sauce. A really heavy broth is, you know, is light. Um, so usually I'll do it with like a like chicken stock simmered down, put some butter in there, you know, with some garlic and, and other um, flavors and aromas. But, you know, you want something that'll stick to the pasta, but not overpower sort of the texture of the pasta. Last night, like, blew me away. Just so many flavors added to it. It was it was great. It was Italian broccoli. Mm-hmm. Mint. Roasted Italian broccoli, yeah. right? Yeah. Mint and pine nuts. Yep. That was what the description was. But there was also... Garlic. I, I, there, yeah, it was very garlicky. I think there was a little bit of a gremolata on top of it. Just a little bit of citrus... Um, it was, it was really great. We, that was the second pasta we had. The first pasta we had was this linguine with anchovies and like, uh, Parmesan. And it was yeah super, super intense and like um, super sexy. And the Tom was like, are you sure you can go from one to the other? Cause this one was so intense. I had some water and then I bit into the cor- Corz- Corzetti. Corzetti. Yeah. And it was I, I like my jaw dropped. I put my fork down. Like <laughs> it, yeah. It was really delicious. Um, I so I've been craving um, puttanesca. Puttanesca is like one of those things where you know a few times a year I just crave puttanesca. The pasta. little hoa. Yeah, the hoa's pasta. Um, so puttanesca is you know just ultra briny and salty and seafoody capers and anchovies right capers anchovies olives and garlic lots of garlic um and so i and i love it i it's like one of those things where you have to uh if you're with your significant other you both have to be eating this pasta because if not one of you is going to smell really bad after it's done um but this pasta, the linguine that we had last night was, I was sort of, I was hoping for these really assertive, strong um, sardine anchovy sort of, you know, flavors, oily fish sort of flavors. And I was not disappointed. It was, it was phenomenal. So Eater said it was too salty. I nope. thoroughly disagree. No, I feel like that's why I got that pasta was because of the salt content. Yeah. And it wasn't too salty. It was like perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely perfect. Um, so anyway, Misi was awesome. The vegetables were awesome. All the sides that came along with it. I did these great roasted eggplant, did this roasted eggplant dish and stuffed artichokes and things like that. Um, but the pasta was, as I was talking about, I would say it's number two in you know my pasta experiences. Or not number two. It is the second sort of revolutionary or... I guess, you know, it's a revelation, not a revolution. Yeah, the, the Corzetti changed my life. Like, <laughs> the, I, legitimately, like, you look at pasta in a different way after you have that. Well, so my first was was probably the first time I went to Babo. Um, I asked you at dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you asked me if it was as good or better than Babo. And I couldn't, I, I feel like I've had two or three of those moments where I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome pasta. This is like, completely different than the Ronzoni I grew up with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Babo was one of them. 
there's this place in Florence when I went to Italy called La Giostra that that made uh, just this amazing fettuccine with uh, like shaved truffles on top of it. Um, going to Bologna and having like uh, tortellini and brodo, something like that, that, you know, was sort of life changing. This was up on that list of, I wouldn't say life changing, but but most memorable pasta experiences for me. Yeah, um, for me, it's this and I had wild boar ragu in Florence mm. and a random hole in the wall restaurant. And it was phenomenal. And that's it. Th- those two. You go to Florence in the fall and you're always going to have wild boar ragu on a menu somewhere. That's awesome. So that's one of the things that I really love about pasta is that it just is a vehicle for whatever awesome, you know, sauce or, or you know, whatever you want to sort of, you know, make it carry into your system. It's a, like it's a wild boar ragu transport system, <laughs> um, but it's also a, you know, a cacio e pepe or, you know, whatever flavors you want. Like, that's great. But I also love the fact that different shapes of pastas, different textures of pastas make different sauces taste completely different. It, pasta is, it, it's so much more. Like, it, it makes sense that you could do like a pasta restaurant at, once you start really understanding that there's so much more than yeah. just like spaghetti and sauce. Well, and so do you make your own pasta? I don't have space. I want to. Have you? No. Never? No. Ah. I want to really badly, um, but I don't have like enough room to do it. I like barely have enough room to do anything in my kitchen. Gotcha. So I um I just buy box pasta and make really good sauces. I make um well so I think there's a couple things. Number one, I understand buying the box pasta. When I make a really good sauce, um, if I'm not going to make my own pasta, I'll buy fresh pasta. Like mm-hmm. I'll buy you know even if it's just frozen. Fresh yeah. pasta, um, not the dried stuff. I mean, I feel like, I feel like no matter how spectacularly you cook a box of you know barilla, mm-hmm. it's not going to have the texture that you want, right? Um, but so so go out and buy fresh pasta. But I, you know, if you know me, I mean, I I make fresh pasta any chance that I can but get. Do you have a favorite noodle? I hmm. do. Hmm. I, I think it's the best. Well, I, huh, I don't know. I I can't. I mean, I really can't. Like, if I'm having a puntanesca, I want spaghetti. If mm-hmm. I'm having, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm having uh, broccoli and sausage, I want orecchietti. But I think my favorite. Let's see, cavatelli is probably my favorite shape of pasta. I think it goes with um with some really heavy duty. It's a really heavy pasta. It goes Tell with really heavy stuff. Tell them what cavatelli is. Cavatelli is um. Uh, how do you describe it? It's so pretend you have a short, flat sort of noodle that's like half rolled up. That's what I would call yeah. it. It's it's like know. a piece of paper rolled up. Like, <laughs> yes, I mean like like rolled up, but um, almost like like, like, like a folded. bad dumpling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like a bad open dumpling that someone. It's like if you're there's play doh on the table and you do like a half roll with your hand. That's cavatelli. And what I love about it is that it's thick. It has bite to it, but it also has that like big crease that holds mm-hmm. sauce and holds like heavy duty sauce. My favorite's mafalda. Yes, we've talked about mafalda probably on probably, another yeah. scrapped podcast. But I, it, it, okay, think of a sheet of lasagna, mm-hmm. but not like a flat sheet. The one with the the ribbons, the curls at the end. Yep. But instead of it being a sheet of lasagna, it's like 
It's just a parf- thick or a strips. wide noodle. It's strips of it. It's like parpadel meets lasagna. Yes. Um, and with it goes with like anything. It does. For me. It's so good. Um, my family uses it all the time. Hmm. Um, and you can't really find it in it's, boxes. You can only really find it fresh. Yeah, and it's it's easy to make. I mean, it's you just need one of the um, the cutters, the cutters that that just go along the side of it. I mean, I, you know, I, I joke that when I make pasta with my daughter, it looks like um, Dr. Seuss made pasta because of the shapes are so irregular and all the the craziness um, with the cutting. But I use one of those like it's a ravioli cutter, you know, that I just use that goes right up the side and um, make nice wide noodles with it. But I, I, I agree. I like that. I, but I get I go through phases, right? So like, I I the, I went through a phase usually in the wintertime with the uh, crozzetti. The you know like I stamp out pasta and have a little in a little bit of a broth. In fact, I'm gonna make uh, chicken soup tonight. I might you know throw some of that in there. Just are just you gonna for the try and it. replicate that dish? I'm not gonna try to replicate that dish. No. What about the linguine? I think the, the linguine is pretty easy to. The replicate. linguine, I I will. Um, I will get inspiration from that dish. You know, one of the dishes that I will replicate is the eggplant dish that we had last night. And I know this is the pasta episode, but that we had uh, it's this eggplant with these Calabrian chilies on top that was just slow roasted. That you basically need, you need, they give you a spoon to scoop out the um, eggplant out of the out of the skin, skin, right? And when you scoop it out, it's like just falling apart. It spreads like cheese and like a soft cheese, and it's just awesome and i will recreate that it was so like it <laughs> i had a lot of good meals this year top three Th- that was the top three of yeah. the meals that you had this year mm-hmm. yeah it was it was one of the best meals i've had you know what you know what the best meal i had in the past year in 2018 was at aska yeah which was right around the block from Misi. so whatever they're doing on that block whatever they put in the water over there williamsburg waterfront over there um, right by Domino Sugar Factory. Whatever it's is going a, on there is good. <laughs> it's a multi-billion-dollar operation that they're doing to turn that area to like take the sugar factory and like make it into more apartments. Yeah, they're doing it's more crazy. apartments. They're doing more retail. They're you know, well, it's the ever-changing as if there wasn't cycle of New York, Williamsburg. <laughs> right, but that is Misi is one of those places where uh, go seek it out if you can get a reservation there. Just call. There. Call and just ask them when the next time you can get a reservation is. And just go. Yep. And it's a pasta restaurant. That's what's awesome. Like, that's just, I mean, it's it's pasta just elevated. And it wasn't, price-wise, it wasn't too bad. No, it wasn't. No, I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I had a cocktail, really great cocktail list, really great um, Amari um, great afterwards. Natural, great, great Italian natural wine. Yes, really good natural wines, which we were talking last night, really interesting. Like Italian natural wines, I find to be the most interesting wines out there. Um, just things that are unexpected. Um, but again, we're not making this all about Missy. What do we- <laughs> but it, it gives us the inspiration of... <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, I feel like pasta is one of those things where it's easy. It's easy, easy, easy to make fresh pasta. Um, but... When you're making it on a scale like that, um, it shows how it shows how dedicated, it shows how much of an art and a craft that it is, as opposed to just science and cooking. Um, there's there's just a lot of care that goes into it, especially you know hand making pasta like that. It's uh, it, it's amazing to watch. It's um you know it's one of those things where you see the history of food as people are rolling out pasta. You know? mm-hmm. 
I I think for me, pasta is always kind of how I've impressed people too. Like my high school girlfriend, I made pesto from scratch for her and her family once. Uh-huh. And then my current girlfriend, the first time I cooked for her, like a week after our first date, I made her cacio e pepe. And the second time I made her uh, linguine vangole. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I always thought because maybe I grew up Italian that it was just so easy to make a pasta dish. But I agree with you. It's a good like date sort of, you know, I'm going to cook for you for the first time. Let's make, you know, something awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something you could do together. Like you could no, absolutely make pasta no, together. No. Oh, make sure. Yeah. Make the pasta. Sure. I know you okay. want to do the sauce. By I, I don't want anyone in the kitchen when I'm in the kitchen. Oh, yes, I know. And I, you know what? I am not that way. Sometimes I'm that way. But, sometimes I'm not. But it's not even like a control thing. It's like, a, this is how I like, this is what I want. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want help. I want to, this is how I decompress is yeah. by like stressing myself out with cooking. I uh, honestly, one of my, and I don't know where this comes from, but one of like the most serene places in my life is like Sunday morning at around like 11 a.m. when I know that there's a house full of people coming over to have pasta and I'm making like five pounds of meatballs and, and sausage and in, in like a Sunday sauce. Um, that's that's one of my like Zen places to be. Like I turn on I turn on my, my radio or I turn listen to like, you know, I don't know why, but I listen to like a Johnny Cash CD when I'm making my pasta. I have no clue why, but I do that. I noticed it. I noticed that I do that more often than not is that I put on Johnny Cash when I'm making pasta. I put on Pavarotti when I'm I'm making a sauce. (laughs) I feel like that's a little too on the nose. No, and it's my family. They were like a Rat Pack, Sinatra, Elvis. Uh Not not a Pavarotti fan. I just. You know what the best pasta making music is? Louis Prima. (laughs) <laughs> Louis Prima is the absolute best pasta making music. <laughs> Come on, what? What? sure. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, you don't make know? pasta. <laughs> but um, also, whenever I feel like I need to like take control of my life, I make a sauce from scratch. I make a sauce from scratch every time. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I same with me. But whenever I feel like I need to just like you know how like girls like dye their hair or like something when they're when they like have a change like I make right. a sauce from scratch. Like. You make yeah okay. <laughs> I I really do love making like just a little pan sauce and you know throwing throwing some pasta in there swirling it around. I mean I think that's also the secret to a good sauce comes from pasta water. And that's something yeah. that like you don't you don't get that at home. Like at when you're at a restaurant, they're cooking the pasta, fresh pasta usually if it's a good restaurant in the same water over and over and over again. And what happens is that water gets really starchy and and silky, right? And what they'll do is they'll take ladles full of that pasta water and put it into the sauce because it gives the sauce a little bit more body. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that you really if you're just going and buying a box of pasta and to cook for you know dinner one night like you're not developing that that starchy water fresh pasta does that it doesn't do it to the extent of a restaurant but if you make fresh pasta at home you at least get some of that starchy water but if you make your sauce and it's, if you reduce it too much and it's a little too thick and you're using box pasta still feel free free to throw some of that into yeah, the sauce. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Pasta water. It's not it's nowhere as good as like the restaurants, but it's still something. I think my I will say that 9 times out of 10 I make fresh pasta, but my 
weeknight go-to one-pot dish, well, I guess it's two pots, is I do a rigatoni with broccoli rabe and sausage. Um, not, with, not orichetti? I don't do orichetti because I orichetti I want to make, make myself. Yeah. Do you do it with like the Nona's with the doll head? <laughs> no, I do it with my thumb. The Nona's <laughs> take the doll head and get the extra tech, the wooden doll <laughs> the head. The wooden doll head, yeah, yeah, to give it some texture. I mean, you always have to do it on a wooden board so you can get a little texture on one side and then the thumbprint on, on that side. My, my thumb grooves are not as uh, defined as a Nona in Italy, I guess. <laughs> um, but, I'll do, but I'll do that. So like what I'll do is I'll make the sausage in the pan. I'll take the sausage out of, like, sausage out of the casings, just sausage meat, take the sausage out. In all of the leftover um, oil, I'll fry up some garlic and some onions, and then um, I'll deglaze it with a little wine and a little chicken stock. Oh, the dog has decided that she likes my pasta as well. So I'll deglaze it with some wine and some chicken stock, um, Get you know, stir it around, get that fond up. The fond is like the brown stuff that's on the bottom of the pot. Um, and then just throw in some rigatoni. Oh, here's another secret that nobody knows. Whatever the pasta box says about how long you're going to cook your pasta, take it out two minutes early and finish it off in your sauce. So if you have rigatoni that says it's going to be al dente perfection in eight minutes, which is what most of these boxes say, take it out at six minutes and then throw it in your sauce and let it sit in your sauce for two minutes. Because what that does is it cooks the pasta through to the right consistency to the right doneness but it also absorbs the flavor like the pasta just starts to absorb the flavor of the sauce it's the way to do it also olive oil and a shit ton of salt yes and I, we've talked about this before garlic whatever the recipe says with the garlic oh just no i mean double. in the in the water in the pasta water oh no never olive oil what no hmm? no salt yes yeah you know i you talk to you talk to old Italian women, and they're like, "Oh, you know, the salt has to be, uh, or the water has to be as salty as the ocean yeah. you know, when you're cooking your pasta." But oil is an old wives' tale. Do you know why? No. You, you put oil in your pasta water, and it prevents the sauce from sticking to the pasta as much. So the only reason that you would put oil in the pasta water is if you're going to boil pasta and then save it later for later. The pasta or the water? The pasta. Okay. Yeah. Like if you're going to, you know, put it put it away and have it for leftovers because then mm. it won't stick together. But, yes, do not put – so stop this, Mike. Stop this travesty. And this is why I decided to start doing a podcast with Tom <laughs> so I could learn things. So don't put olive oil in your pasta water. I forgot. Like I grew up in a house that did that all the time and – then I, I spoke with a bunch of restaurant chefs and who who specialize in pasta, and they're like, "No, you do not do that. You just it prevents the sauce from sticking to the pasta properly." So there you go. I guess like that makes sense because when when you go to a, re- a pasta restaurant, they have like um, almost like a deep fryer, except it's boiling water mm-hmm. to drop pasta in. Like, yeah, you could you could literally picture it as a deep fryer, but it's all water and pasta that you're dropping in, and they're. They're never putting oil in there. They're no, only, never. They're only putting fresh pasta. In yep. There. Oil is, um, oil's a flavor, right? Like mm-hmm. oil. But I thought I thought the fat of the pasta, the the fat of the oil was so the pasta wouldn't stick. Um. Well, but you want the pasta to stick a little bit. You want it to be to, sticky. Okay. And it will stick. It won't stick to each other unless you let it dry like okay. that. Okay. So you want to make sure that there's a little bit of fat inside your sauce. 
but you don't want it in the pasta mm-hmm. water. Well, there's always olive oil in the sauce. So. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. Don't put it in the water. It's a waste of olive oil. It does it does nothing. Um, I mean, and you're not like completely hurting your pasta by putting olive oil in the water. Yeah. But number one, it's unnecessary, and number two, it doesn't help. It just if anything, it hurts it. So there's that. But olive oil as a flavor, like just pasta with olive oil and garlic and alioli. Alioli, yeah. It's I mean, it's that's a great dish with lemon and red pepper flakes pasta al limon is really good too with olive oil lemon it's you know Mm -hmm. it's uh, olive oil as a flavor is you know the base of so many sauces um what was the first pasta dish that you like mastered like i mastered carbonara like i could do carbonara with my eyes closed i can do carbonara with my eyes closed i think i think carbonara was I wouldn't say it was the first pasta dish that I mastered, but it was the first sort of thing that I didn't grow up having. Yeah. That I, you know, that I learned how to cook and and that's it. Um, I will say that I don't even know the names of a lot of these dishes, but it's things that I have just made up and it's just a pan sauce. Like any sort of little pan sauce um, where I'll just... I'll sear something in the pan, like I was talking about the sausage and, and broccoli um, with the rigatoni. Like, just creating that pan sauce and building flavor in the pan sauce, that is sort of, uh, that's my mastery, you know? Like, I feel like I've done a really good job in my life as a home cook in creating just pan sauces that, you know, are great, are great, they go great with pasta as the, as the transport system to get into your body. <laughs> But let's see. I love puntanesca. I feel like I make a really good puntanesca. That's another thing that I did not grow up eating mm-hmm. a lot of, but I really like that. Um, there's a St. Joseph's Day pasta that I make. St. Joseph's Day is March 19th. It's two days after St. Patrick's Day. And it's really known for Italian pastries, like the uh, the Zeppeli and the Sfiadel and the uh, Sfinge. Pignoli yeah. cookies. Um, it's, there are St. Joseph's Day pastries. Oh, oh yeah, like specific, specific ones. Specific okay. ones, yeah. And, and they're awesome. Um, but there's a pasta that um, they make. I mean, St. Joseph was a carpenter. Um, so the pasta is lots of garlic. <clears throat> excuse me lots of garlic and um breadcrumbs but toasted breadcrumbs mm-hmm. so that they are like the consistency of sawdust and you just toss it with a little bit of olive oil um some garlic and anchovies and it's a great little kind of Saint like Joseph's what we had at Misi. yes more um the anchovies or sorry the breadcrumbs are usually finer mm-hmm. and and they're toasted but uh, so when you're toasting breadcrumbs you're just taking a pan getting it low heat and they're throwing the breadcrumbs on right yeah throwing the breadcrumbs on and constantly moving the mm-hmm, pan so mm-hmm. that nothing burns and then like five minutes they're done yeah i yeah. mean i it's if you're constantly moving the pan it could be less than five minutes if you keep the heat up high mm-hmm. you know it's it's totally fine as long as you're moving the pan around so that the, nothing burns on the bottom um and you'll see the color of it change and when it becomes a color that you like uh, then you take them off. I mean, it's it's sort of like when I'm making a roux. I can make a roux for five hours if I wanted to make a yeah. really dark, you know, Cajun golden roux. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you feel like it's done, then it's done. Cool. <laughs> hmm. What about stuffed that pastas? That was exactly where my mind was going. Um, I think stuffed pastas are one of the ultimate comfort foods. 
like pasta is the ultimate comfort food, but stuffed pasta is like a level above it. Cause like ravioli, I could eat plain. <laughs> I could eat ravioli in butter. I could eat ravioli in tomato sauce. Right. Like there's no like limit either. I, like I could eat infinity raviolis. And you and I have talked a little bit about the tortellini and Your how favorite. it's, it is, it is my favorite. It's like one of the first pastas, first stuffed pastas. You hate it. Uh, or you don't hate it. Don't you hate associate it. it with like cold, salads or what yeah like a pasta salad like yeah but no. you but we had that that was a year ago when we talked about that yeah so you i've appreciated it more since then yeah and i like making tortellini tortellini is like a fun little pasta to make i mean and i can't you see these videos of these old ladies in bologna that are you know churning out a hundred pieces of tortelloni a minute um or tortellini a minute tortelloni are just big tortellini mm-hmm. um and, you know, I'm nowhere near that adept. I don't have that agility or that knowledge. Day. But I, it's it's a fun pasta to make, you know, once you sort of get the little mastery down. Um, what's the, what does David Chang say? Like, every culture has pasta. Every yeah. culture has some sort of dough that's stuffed with something else. And, you know, do you all, got dumplings that are all over the place? All the Korean food I cook is just Italian food with Korean ingredients. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean I, if you're gonna if you want to make a tortelloni, which is a giant tortellini, and put pork and scallions and ginger in it, all of a sudden it's a Korean dumpling or a Chinese dumpling. It's you know, uh, it's it's such a universal type of food, right? I I bought I go to H Mart and I buy um what's H Mart? The Korean grocery store of your dreams. Yes, it's like a mega Korean grocery store. Even the small ones are incredible. Yeah. Um, what's the Korean pork? Uh, it's like done in spices and everything. Oh, I don't know, like a pork belly, like a pork bun. Yeah, it, it's yeah. a pork. It's just Korean spiced pork belly that you buy ready to just like cook. Yep. And I buy the noodles, and I buy these really great mushrooms, uh, woodier mushrooms, mm-hmm. and it's Korean prosciutto fungi. <laughs> like, yep. That's that's the dish and it's incredible because it's incredible with italian spices so it's incredible with korean yeah. flavors and like but i don't i don't know the first thing about korean cooking but every korean dish that i've made is like great is pasta yeah also <laughs> correct well korean food is um uh, Korean food is awesome, and I think it's hard to um, – as long as you have the right ingredients, just like any food, it's hard to mess up. Um, it's not like dainty French cuisine where technique matters so much. Do, it's just getting Do the getting French have flavors. a pasta? Do the French have noodles? I'm sure they do. I mean, what's a stroganoff? Is that uh, – is that now that, that's got to be Russian. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's got to be I, noodles. That's actually probably American. Yeah. Yeah. Might be. I have no idea, but I'm sure there are French dishes that have noodles and stuffed pastas. Um, you know, every culture has it. Every well, the mother sauces are French. Yeah. That's, that's where everything comes from. You know, <laughs> that's not technically true. <laughs> what, um, and I don't know if we had this discussion or not, but what Italians believe <laughs> is that Catherine de' Medici, when she was, when, when she was forced to marry into French royalty, um, she took the culinary traditions of Bologna over to France. So really, 
high cuisine comes from Bologna, comes from the Italians. The French refined I, it. Well, <laughs> and I then mean, there just that. in general, you can compare Italian culture to French culture. And it's like when we did the World Cup and yeah. like you're do, it's like, how how do you pick one? Yeah. No, you can't. It's uh, things have become um, there have become different traits that have been associated with different types of food. And French is always defined French and Japanese are defi- defined by like technique, right? Like there are these amazing I, techniques. I would say Japanese is almost like it's also Italian because it, you can have really incredible, simple Japanese food. Ja- mm-hmm. Japanese, I think, is on almost like its own pinnacle of because what culturally think, what the Japanese do is they take other people's stuff and they make it better. But I feel like they um I guess the big difference for me is Italian food and maybe it's you know the way I grew up in traditional Italian food was less about you know this piece this carrot has to be chopped exactly yeah. in a cube oh, for whereas sure. Japanese food is like that French food is like that but, um, where it's such an emphasis on technique and flavors, but Italian food is more um, home cooked, yes. sort of love. Like the, it could be ugly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Japanese. That's why I'm saying Japanese food's a, a, a blending of those that French perfection and that Italian qu- quality. Right. Quality ingredients. There but. was an there was an Italian Japanese restaurant in Union Square for a while, um, and that was their whole thing. Is like both of these cultures have the same uh attitude towards qual like it's all about high quality fresh ingredients hmm. it's That's... closed now though <laughs> no, well it's it's an emphasis on um locality as well like different regions mm-hmm. um in italy different pastas come from different regions and you know you're never going to get like the cacio e pepe and things like that those are northern italian dishes the southern italian dishes are more um, spicy, more seafood focused, even, things like that. Even crudo is we have this fish and we have these olive oils and these salts. So that's what we're having. But that island there, right. we have this fish and th- this olive oil and this salt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know Italian sushi or mm-hmm. Italian sashimi. Um, but yeah, no, back to the pastas, though. I mean, I think that uh, what defines uh, pasta in Italy, especially, is the region where you're eating it. You oh, know? the... Um, the Corsetti, mm-hmm. I go, I thought it was Roman. It's not. It's Ligurian. Yes, it is Ligurian. From yes, the north of Italy, but Rome has what the four pastas. The um, yeah, there's what cacio e pepe. Cacio e pepe, of... carbonara, alla matriana. Gri- uh, yeah, and gre uh, Grichia. Pa- pasta yeah. de Grichia, which is just pasta with grease. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But they all, it starts off as cacio e pepe, and then depending on what you add, it becomes one yeah, of the Yeah, Mike's other got this idea for a flowchart. Uh, no, Joe Bastianich made the oh, flowchart. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, we're running on time here. We're like 40 minutes in talking about pasta, which I feel like we can do a series. Wait, I thought this was only like 25 minutes. So, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. very happy with 40 minutes of <laughs> pasta talk. I feel like we can do a long form series. We'll do it coming up in our 12 part four hour each series on pasta i'm trying to get tom trying to convince tom to do a minute long different sauce video for like five six seven different sauces one minute long for each sauce yeah like pomodoro carbonara cacio e pepe all those one yeah, minute, we can do it. yeah i think it would be a really cool, cool 
uh, Insta- like how we did the cheese board one. Yeah. So if you want to see video from us, let us know in the comments um, and or emails or, you know, I'm what DMs. Am I? Who, where, where are we? What are we at? Not a foodie picks on Instagram. At not a foodie picks. Mike at not a foodie dot com. Tom at not a foodie dot com. And uh, or our personal Instagrams. They're on. Uh, yeah, our we're all over the too. place. Yeah. So reach out to us. Come talk to us. Um, we're we're excited to be back doing this podcast. This is uh, episode two, season two point five. I don't know. We stopped counting, but we're having fun doing this. And as my dog is starting to kill her pig squeaky toy. I think uh, that's our cue to uh, to leave. Yeah. Mike, as always, it's been awesome talking to you, yeah. especially about pasta. Yeah. We're going to wind up doing another pasta episode. We are, because this is not enough time to talk. Carbs. Right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>